the same old crap coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So I'm listening to the newest Matt K. Lewis podcast. I think it's called The News with Matt K. Lewis, something like that. And he's talking to uh, Jason L. Riley, who's an African-American who, I guess he has a thesis that um, Trump helped black people. So, you know, that grabbed my interest. Let's hear what this guy has to say. I'm going to, just like the white man stole the land from the Indians, I'm going to steal this guy's facts and figures and give them to you. So Riley's first observation is that um, groups in America that do well, they usually, what do they do? They they go out, they get jobs, they uh, live the American dream and get rich. And they do that before they go out and grab political power. And, you know, examples are Asians, South Asians, Jews. And then a group who did it the other direction, I guess, was Irish. Irish went out and got political power. Then they uh, got themselves rich. You know, when I say rich, I mean middle class, I guess. And I guess he's saying that black people are doing it. Well, whatever. It worked for Irish. But it's not working for black people. Black people have a lot of political power. They got there are black people in many, many positions of power, uh, especially cities and whatnot. And it ain't working out for them. It's not working out economically. They got the political power, but not the economic power. So that's what he that was his first observation. And you know, to me, what does that mean? Um I mean, we're all trying to get rich. Get rich or die trying. I guess what it means is that political power doesn't make you rich. I mean, maybe it made the Irish rich, but it looks like, in general, political power does not make you rich. So, like, you know, the current, the biggest push by the Biden administration right now is for uh, some voting rights bills that, first off, aren't going to change anything. And second off, even if they did change some political power, sounds like that wouldn't help. Whoever got extra political power with these uh, voting rights bills, it ain't going to help them. ain't going to make them rich. And he keeps talking about the Irish. I guess in the late, I don't know, like the 1890s, the Irish had like tons of political power. They were doing the, I think that's back when city politicians are super corrupt. But in any case, that is not when the Irish joined the middle class and got rich. In fact, it was later on when they lost their political power that they got rich. So for the Irish, it didn't work out either. So if political power doesn't get your group ahead, what does? And Riley says it's something called human capital. I heard of that. And he says that's uh, skills, behavior, and attitudes. That's what's important. And I'll just mention it because I did a lynching episode the other day. But he's like, the Japanese, they used to lynch the hell out of them out in the West. And today, the Japanese are, you know, Japanese Americans are doing way better than white Americans. And there is no big bunch of Japanese American politicians. So Matt asks him, you know, it seems like back in the day when America was the most racist, that's when blacks were closing the gap and gaining on whites the most. And then after the 60s, when they passed a bunch of laws that made everyone equal, blacks started actually losing ground. And uh, I think this is an interesting subject because right now people think the way to help black people is to make false accusations of racism. And the way to show, you know, the, the rock-solid, instantly obvious uh, proof that that's BS is you just go, well, look, we've been getting less and less racist for 
I mean, literally for a hundred years, but certainly since 1965, Civil Rights Act stuff, and that hasn't solved it to the point where now, you know, white people are the ones rioting on behalf of blacks, and it just, it ain't helping. In fact, it's hurting. So it's an interesting thing. If you truly want to help black people, you got to wrestle with this very uncomfortable uh, facts. So Matt asks him, what's up with that? And Riley's opinion is that um, before the 60s, black leaders, uh, what they were focused on was helping black people. And then after the 60s, um, what they became focused on was gaining political power. So some stats. Uh, in the first half of the 1900s, so 1900 to 1950, um, black people were increasing their education and also they were increasing their education education in comparison to whites they were gaining in the 1940s and 1950s black incomes were increasing faster than whites so they were gaining on them there too and also black marriage rates were higher than white marriage rates in the 1910s 20s 30s and 40s so that's not just gaining ground they had whites beat on that one back in the day so does Riley think the uh, civil rights bills that gave blacks equal treatment under the law were bad? No, no, he thinks they're great. I agree, I think everyone does. But even though they were good, they just didn't quite, whatever, they didn't do what people thought they were gonna do. They didn't bring about economic equality. I guess that was the hope. The hope of many, I think. And he mentions by the 80s, uh, you know, black politicians were in power and cities across America, but it wasn't solving stuff. I mean, the late 80s is when the worst crime was. He doesn't mention that, but that is the worst crime. But then he brings up uh, when they ended affirmative action in California in the 90s, which I talk about eh, pretty frequently. Um, he has a stat. So after they ended affirmative action in the 90s, um, black college graduation rates increased by more than 50%. Like, basically, blacks started graduating a lot more, including in the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and also at the very highest, um, the hardest to get into schools, like Berkeley and UCLA. So, I mean, I think they started affirmative action in the 60s. And, you know, is affirmative action good or bad? I mean, we'll leave that discussion for another time. But the answer is, did affirmative action solve all the economic inequality in America between blacks and whites? The answer is, uh, you know, that's an obvious no. It did not solve it. Did it help? Did it hurt? Uh, can look, you know, I think it's actually complicated. It helped some and hurt some, but uh, did it solve it? No. I guess I should add here, I can't remember who said this, but it was some other African-American scholar. I listened to a lot of anti-woke African-American scholars. So one of them, one of the one of that group of awesome people, um, their theory, you know, that part of it, part of what uh, I guess desegregation did, was that back when uh, blacks and whites were segregated, then all the black doctors, all the black lawyers, basically all the rich, all the middle class and rich black people, they had to live in the black neighborhoods. So the black neighborhoods were mixed. You had poor people and rich people living in the same neighborhoods. And then when they ended, for whatever reason, I don't know why, because this didn't happen, you know, I don't know. Why don't whites do the same thing? But anyways, or maybe they do. But anyways, when they ended uh, segregation, all the middle class and rich black people 
left. They just they left those neighborhoods, and then those labor neighborhoods were left with nothing but poor people, which then means you know no one wants to start a business in that community, which then means there's no jobs in that community, which then means that people are poor, and then you get a vicious uh, circle or cycle. So, anyways, that's a theory that sounds kind of right to me. That's not that's not Riley's theory, but that's just another theory out there. Like, why doesn't happen to whites? I guess you know the whole country is white, so. Whites can't leave the white neighborhood and go to, you know, I guess if we had, you know, maybe if like, if America had some purple people who were like the richest, they had the best neighborhoods and they were the richest, you might find all the white neighborhoods going to crap because all the rich and middle class white people would go live with the purple neighborhoods and then all, all the, whatever, all the white neighborhoods would be left with all the poor people. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I like to just throw around ideas that are super controversial without giving a damn and so here I am doing it again and I might just be right about everything so Riley has a book out it's called the black boom and you know it gets that title because he wants to say that uh, black people did real good under Donald Trump and so Matt asks him well you know what what you know well, this is what I would ask too because presidents are not exactly in control of economies and a lot of times, you know, the first year of a presidency, like the one we just had with um, Biden, that's just the leftover economy from Donald Trump. The first year of Trump, that's, that's Obama, etc. But in any case, um, I guess the last year of Obama, the economy was going south. So he didn't necessarily leave Trump with that great of an economy. I guess Obama's seventh year was like 3% growth and his eighth year was 1.5% growth. And Riley says that even though he called it the black boom, what really happened under Trump was that uh, the working class did really well. So basically, I don't know, blacks and Hispanics, you know, whichever, whichever groups of people had more working class people amongst their group, they were the ones who did real good under Trump. So he says up until COVID, COVID and its lockdowns. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say that that doesn't exactly sound right. It doesn't sound wrong, but it doesn't sound right. I think I'm neutral on those opinions. But those are those are interesting ideas. I haven't said it in a while. I'm not a Trump Trump supporter. Uh, Trump is a crazy person. The thing that destroy is destroying America much more than Trump and his tweets and exclamations. Uh, his Trump derangement syndrome and the media, who's become pieces of crap. All right, let's uh, throw a clip in here. Riley saying a lot of what I believe, what I believe, and what he believes. Let's throw in a clip. Um, uh, the, the 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 media did present Donald Trump as a racist. They presented him as someone who um, whose policies would be harmful to the economic prospects of, of of minority groups in this country. And when that turned out not to be the case, um, they sort of played it down or didn't talk about it at all. And um, I think it's worth talking about, not uh, to score partisan points, but listen, people care about income inequality. If it was shrinking under Donald Trump due to policies uh, that his administration put in place, um, we should continue those policies, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump. And this book is in no way a, a defense of Donald Trump's uh, personality or character or Twitter feed or any of that. Uh, it is a defense of free market economic policies, which, again, I argue, tend to do a better job of lifting underprivileged groups than government wealth redistribution programs, uh, 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 
than 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 racial preferences. Yeah, so I'll have to look up whether or not any income inequality or whatever went down under Trump during the Trump years. Uh, if it did, that would be a real nice slap in the face to woke people. All right. The name of the podcast is Matt K. Lewis and the News. I highly recommend it. Go subscribe. But, uh, I mean, if you like politics stuff, tons of politics stuff. But anyways, uh, this Riley fellow, he just goes off. He goes off. I mean, he doesn't get riled up. He just really lays out a nice uh, critique of how the media is a bunch of pieces of shit. So there you go. I take all his beautiful words and I just turn them into the media is a bunch of pieces of shit. But he lays out a stat, and apparently um, black income was gaining on white income for the first three years of the Donald Trump presidency. So that's interesting. And I guess you would say, well, why didn't it go up the fourth year? And then I guess you would say, because of COVID. Now, you know, I don't know. Well, you know what? I do know that rich people did better under COVID than poor people. You know, people who could work at a computer went home and just made the same amount of money as always. And then people who worked, you know, on construction sites or in restaurants, uh, they lost their jobs. Although with unemployment, blah, blah, it's a little complicated. But anyways, I guess he he lets Trump off the hook for the fourth year because of COVID, and I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. And just a little fun fact from my uh, life. I don't know if you can hear the rain, but I'm doing this podcast in the rain with a tarp over me, and it's starting to snow, so this will be interesting. I think snow on a tarp is quieter than rain. Okay, well, I made it halfway through the podcast. Maybe I will listen. I mean, I'm sure I'll finish listening to it. Whether or not I'll uh, report to you what I hear, I don't know. But I'm I'm running out of time. I got to go do something. Enchiladas. Got to go cook some enchiladas. But just kind of... Here's something that I wanted to say yesterday, but I didn't say. So I was talking about, like, in Ukraine... Uh, like every Ukrainian man, 18 to six, age 18 to 60, has to stay in the country, and then all the women and children are allowed to leave, and they're going to Poland, and Europe's being real nice to them. And then there was some videos or some people complaining. I went and looked it up. Of, I guess you know, African, African people who are in Ukraine, they were trying to get on the trains along with the women and children to get the hell out. And so, like, I tried to find out exactly what happened. I'll tell you, this Ukraine thing, finding the truth is, like, frickin' impossible. So, you know, the only thing I could find is Africans complaining that they were treated poorly. I couldn't find proof either way. But, I mean, I believe that they were. And then some of them said, uh, you know, they got to Poland. They got on, you know, like, the women, the black women, the African, not black, the African women, not black as an African-American, but black as an African, Anyways, they got on the train, they went to Poland, and apparently some of the Polish, uh, like, hotels, I think, you know, I think like, they give you free room and board. Anyways, they didn't want to give free room and board to the African women, and that's racist, and I, I, you know, I denounce that. I do not abide. The dude does not abide that. But the thing that was getting people up in arms was... There were some African men who were not allowed on the train in the first place to get out and find out whether or not the hotels would take them in. And the rule was, it was only Ukrainian men, you know, Ukrainian citizen men, 18 to 60, who had to stay. So the trains should be for women, children, 
and anyone who's not a Ukrainian citizen, which would, you know, presumably be all these Africans. What it is, I guess in, uh, in Ukraine, Ukraine University costs four to $5,000 a year. So they got a whole bunch of Nigerians, just like our universities have a lot of Nigerians. Their universities have a lot of Nigerians, and it's a real good deal for their universities. And I think their universities are pretty good. But so here's the, here's the point that it, I'm not getting to, is it made me think of that phrase, um, women and children first. You know, like on the Titanic or when a ship goes down, uh, they have that saying, women and children first, you know, with lifeboats. The ship is going down, you're putting people on the lifeboats, these are the people who are going to live. And you do women and children first. And so why do you say women and children first? Now obviously you don't want the women to die, you don't want the children to die, but you don't really want the men to die either. I think it's, well anyways, here's my theory and I'm sure I'm correct. The answer is, people are going to be shoving, pushing and shoving to get on a train or some lifeboats. They're going to be pushing and shoving. Now if you let men you know, if you, if you allow men, women, and children, all three of those groups, to get into a giant crowd and just push it, and every one of them just pushes and shoves their way to the front, well, I mean, you know, it's easy to, I mean, just imagine pushing over a two-year-old, you just, whatever, with one finger, you, should, you could push a two-year-old to the ground, and boom, you're past them, and then with one little stiff arm, you could push a woman to the ground, and boom, you're past them. This is if you're a man. And so that's why you have to have a hard and fast rule, women and children first. Now the women and the children, they can push each other, but you can't let men into that group pushing and shoving. And that's why I do denounce, uh, you know, hotels not letting in black women once they get to Poland. But as far as like not letting African men just join in on the pushing and shoving to get onto the trains, uh, I agree. Yeah, men, men... Whatever, if you're a man, sorry, sorry if you're a man that isn't a Ukrainian man, citizen, um, now nah, you gotta stay back too. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.